If you are new or you have missed out on the previous ones, they're all online or they're on my app. You can go back and you can catch up on that. So we're in chapter uh, 3, part 6 today. I hope that you're ready. If you don't have notes, raise your hands. Somebody will bring notes to you. If I was to summarize my sermon this morning into one sentence, it would be simply this. Disciples that want God's favor aggressively pursue God's character. Disciples that want God's favor aggressively pursue God's character. This goes for both personal as well as corporate. When a person individually wants God's favor, he aggressively pursues God's character. When a community, covenant life, we want God's favor on our community, on our family, on our, on our marriage, then we aggressively pursue God's character. That's the summation of this entire chapter. We want to become a church that God favors. And by church, we mean a community. We want to be a church that God favors. All right? Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Thank you, Father God, for what your word has, uh, has meant to us in the past. And Lord, again, we come to you asking you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've covered two and a half chapters, an encouraging letter from Peter write, writing to Jewish believers in exile. Who's he speaking to? Believers. Where? In exile, difficult situations. And he's talking about different, different angles of how to handle life. And we've looked at our own lives, suffering, marriage, ups and downs. We've asked God, give us perspective. Here's the verdict. Here's the verdict. Submit. Submit. We submit. And by doing that, what do we do? We put God on top. We put God on top of our situation. We put God on top of our injustice. We put God on top of our uncertainty. When we submit, we put God on top. Can everybody hear me to the back, nice and clear? Okay. What does it mean to submit? That's not the message this morning, but we've gone through it. What does it mean to submit? To submit means to stop the pity party. If you've had a little pity party happening and every time you go over what happened, didn't happen in your life, how things have, and you've got this pity party, going, shut it down. Shut down the pity party. What does submit mean? Submit means to yield and to accept what's going on in your life, not because of who you are, but because who God is. Because of who you know God can be, you release it to his care and to his keeping. And then you, another word for submit, another way of submitting is to praise through the pain. To praise through the pain. When you praise and you thank God for even the situations that you're going through, the long waiting periods, the difficult uncertainties, and of course the sicknesses and things, when you're able to praise through the pain, you're submitting to what only God can do through that. So the, what's the verdict that we learned? Submit. But, but, as we work through all of this, through God's plan for pain to praise, we are more and more convinced about a life of praise through pain. A life of praise through pain. If you can sing through the storm, if you can praise through the pain, you have got it. You figured out how to plug into God's power. You have not given into the situation. You have not buckled down and given up. You have plugged into the power of God. You have grabbed Him by the hand. So that's the key thing here. We seem to be moving in the direction of a purifying and refining of disciples of Jesus through a painful process. You will not hear this in other forums. You will not hear this on TV. This is not the stuff, stuff that makes books sell. This gospel, this truth, that the fact is that this life is going to be painful. It is going to be difficult. You will have difficult people. 
You will have trials and tribulations. But don't worry. Don't give up. Don't freak out. I have overcome the world. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And the good news is that this life is meant for or is the result of sin. Okay, fine. But it is meant for and the pain and hurt is meant to refine and purify me. If Brothers and sisters, if you can just get that with me, the rest of your life is going to be a lot more meaningful. Not fun and amazing, meaningful. It's going to be a lot more impacting, a lot more effective. If you can get this along with me, that God will use anything that's going on in your life and anything that's thrown at you to purify you and refine you. Never take the cake out of the oven before it's done. Never pull the gold out of the fire before it's completely refined. It is not ready to eat. It is not ready to wear. It is not ready to reflect the glory of God. That you should be to the praise of His glorious grace is what God is all about. So God's going to use whatever your situation is and whatever life's like. So if you have been living in a bubble where it says that this life is a blessing and God must give me a great life because I'm doing everything and because I believe in Him and I've got a ticket to heaven, then you are not, you do not have your eyes on eternity. You have your eyes on the here and now. And if you have your eyes on the here and now, you are of the devil. You are what Peter said to Jesus. Hey, give it up. Walk away. Find a shortcut. And Jesus said to him, get thee behind me. Satan. Okay, you don't know the plans God has for you. To, to submit to God's plans is not to say, Chalo, hai, ye, ye, mera, ye. No, it's not to go into that old drama. An emotional drama. You to submit to God's plan saying, Lord, what are you going to do with this situation? What are you going to do with this pain? What are you going to do with that memory? Lord, I'm here. Open me up. And if between you and me, brothers and sisters, I want us to be genuine. I want us to be the genuine work of God. I want every pain in your life to count. I don't want you to walk away from it. I want it to count. I want it to matter. Every burden you're carrying, I want it to matter. In what way? If you have had to go through that sickness, let it do something good for you. That's what I want. If you've had to see that strain period in your marriage or in your career or waiting or what, I want it to matter. I want it to show on your face. I want the joy to matter in your life. What's the verdict? Submit. As God refines and purifies through, through us, through this, two things appear, two concepts of, appear, submission and praise. Two concepts appear, what and what? Submission and praise. Two powerful words, powerful pictures. Listen carefully. Resulting in the work of God. When you submit and when you praise, when you submit and when you praise, look at me, when you submit, the result of God's working in your life. God goes to work in your life. Submission. And God allows worship in your life. Praise. Worship and work. Submission and praise. Peter's not joking about this. Right up front, at the get-go, right out at the beginning, he says it clearly in chapter 1. Go to verse 6 of chapter 1. Let's, let's, let's go over that again. In this you greatly rejoice. In what? In what? In this you greatly rejoice that now for a little while, remember what I said the little while was? 80 years. 80 years is your little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Circle grieved, circle trials. 
you have been grieved by various different different types of difficult situations why why so that i love this sentence the tested genuineness not just genuineness not just authenticity but the tested authenticity the tested genuineness because you've been through the fire you came out real you came out the real deal you came out genuine the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through it tested by fire may be found underlined may be found to result in praise that the tested genuineness what's the test pain may be result maybe to result in praise that pain would result in praise why will pain result in praise when will pain ever result in praise when you submit when i submit when we take a spirit a posture of submission and say lord thy will be done thy will be done jesus did that in the garden of gethsemane he said i don't like this cup but if you want it i'll drink it and jesus took that Philippians chapter 2 is called the the kenosis passage where he emptied himself of himself it's called the emptying himself of himself humility is emptying yourself of yourself so that he says you can be filled with others others what others ambitions others needs others desires to be emptied of yourself is to not be focused on your own needs because you have put yourself aside and you have taken on what is of others so jesus emptied himself and became nothing and he's done exactly what he's asking us to do so right there in that revision passage though you have not seen him verse 9 verse 8 you love him wow wow so you're going through a painful situation you're going through life as you know it you're going through suffering you're going through injustice you're going through uh, uncertainties whatever the situation may be and we all go through it from time to time and if you're not going through it right now it's coming yeah it's going to come from time to time it's hills and valleys so when you're going through that you are walking with somebody you cannot see and his grip on your life his grip in your hand his hug around you his heart his desires his voice his words are building you through the storm and as you walk in this life closer and closer and closer when you get into heaven and your eyes close here and you step into eternity and you open your eyes the bible says you will see jesus The first person you will see is not your grandmother. You will see Christ. The one you have worshiped, the one you have loved, the one you have been through everything for and been willing to been through everything for, the one whose hand you've held, you will see him. And when you see him, suddenly the whole thing is going to be worth it. Suddenly the whole thing is going to be worth it. So in him you haven't seen him yet you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice. There's your praise. there's your praise so we see today and this next week even and next week this whole concept of becoming really genuine as disciples genuine as disciples how authentic disciples demonstrate god's work and god's worship in their lives let's strive to be the real thing let's strive to be true disciples i really beg you on this i beg you on this because i want our worship to be genuine no hype i want the word to be genuine so i'm going verse by verse by verse i'm not just faking it i'm not inspiring you i'm not tickling your ears and sending you home feeling better about yourself the stuff i'm saying is not going to sell not even 150 people are going to watch it by the end of it this is the truth and truth are is for those who are of the narrow way who are of the narrow way 
Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Everybody wants their ears tickled and everybody's. So I want the word to be genuine. I want the, I want the worship to be genuine. And I'm stripping everything down to bare minimum so that we are just us in front of God. And when you walk into this community and when you shake hands with one of the members of my church, you meet a genuine disciple of Jesus. Not an angel, but a genuine disciple of If you do meet an angel, let me know. I have a few ministries for them uh, lined up. All right, so we're looking at these few verses, and I'm just going to rush through them. I don't want to take long today. Okay, I I shouldn't have said that. My wife always says, don't say that. You never stick with it anyway. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. So beginning with these two premises, and you'll find these two premises in chapter, in verse 8 and verse 10, okay? That we want God's blessing on our lives. Do you want God's blessing on your life? Hello? Do you, want God, do you want God's favor on your life? Do you want God to give you a little bit of a break? Do you want God to just, just ease it up a little bit for you? Do you want to see some good days? Bad days are okay. Do you want to see some good days? If you want that, he says, we want God's blessing on our lives and God favors the righteous people. These two premises we take and we're going to look at it here. Look at verse 8. Finally, all of you. All of you is communal that he's talking to the whole church. Yes? No? Hallelujah. (laughs) Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. How many things are those? Ginlo, ginlo. Five. Very good. Brilliant. Then he says in verse 9, Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless this, bless those. For this you have been called, that you may obtain a blessing. Verse 10 says, Whoever desires love, uh, desires to love life and see good days. That's what we talked about. We said we want some good days. Whoever desires to love life and see some good days, let him. Is him communal or individual? Individual. Him. Okay? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him keep his tongue from you. So those are the two premises. And one is personal and one is corporate. One is to you as an individual. One is to the whole church. So let's start with the individual, you and me. And then let's go to the corporate. All right? Because each of us desires stress-free lives. Somebody say amen. Ah. Because each of us desires a purposeful lives. Because God favors the righteous, we're going to do these few things. We're going to commit ourselves to being genuine. Verse 10, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. That's incredible. So what are we going to do? We will, each one, watch what we say. Not hear what we say. Watch what we say. Together, we will watch what we say. Let him keep his tongue from evil, let us keep his lips from speaking deceit. Two things, two ways to control what you say, to watch what you say. Number one, every word matters and evil is denounced. If it's not of the Lord, if God won't speak in that tone, if God won't use those words, if God won't use that language, if God won't use that, that subject, then back off, let it go. I will not talk about it. Number two, every fact is verified and gossip is destroyed. We will be a community where every fact is verified and gossip is destroyed. If I hear something about you, Swapnil, I'm going to come and ask you, is this true? Okay? And that's not where it ends. I'm going to go back to the person who told me that and say, it is not true. Don't talk about it like that. And then meet them together and say, he said that about you. Figure it out. 
You do that two, three times and it will become a clean community. People will think three times before gossiping. The reason why you gossip so easily is because you never expect to be held accountable. First you think that you're in dreamy dreamland and it's never going to reach that person. Hello. And the second thing is nobody's got the guts to confront. If we had the guts to confront, say, no, that's not true. I know him, I've been praying for him. And even if it's true, I will change it before it becomes true. Got it? Number one, every word matters, evil is denounced. Number two, every fact is verified, gossip is destroyed. So what are we going to do? Verse 10, let him keep his tongue from evil. Number, uh, verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. One is the mouth, one is the mouth, and the second is the actions. Let him turn away from evil and do good. So we ensure, we will ensure constant and periodic repentance. Constant and periodic repentance. Why repentance? Why you want to be, use a big word like that? Because repentance is from the word metanoia, which means to change your mind. To change your mind. Okay? So when you are running your own life, you got your own opinion about your own life, you, have, you can rationalize your your relationships, your priorities, your affections, your dreams, and your ambitions. You can rationalize your, your actions, and you can just talk away and give a good reason why anything and everything you do is okay. But when you talk to God, and God's word says, no, that's not okay, then you agree with him, and you change your mind. And you say, Lord, if that's not okay with you, it's not going to be okay with me. And you turn away from evil. Back up the truck. Who's he talking to? Who is Peter talking to? Who did he write the letter to? Believers. Jewish believers in exile. He's talking to believers. You're believers, you're not in exile. It feels like you are until the service is ended, but you're not. But he's talking to believers. So he's telling believers, listen carefully, he's telling believers, turn from evil. Did you get that? He's telling believers, don't let evil come out of your mouth. Don't speak evil. Don't speak gossip. Don't let deceit don't let deceit come. Oh, no, Lord, we are all perfect here in this church. Nobody says anything deceitful. No, 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 we are, we are genuine. No, no, we don't do any evil in this. Oh, we all do. And we continue to do it. That's why there needs to be continuous repentance. Because I think my way is okay. God says, uh-uh, I changed my way. I changed my, my thinking and I repent. Are you with me? A constant, constant setup of repentance. That doesn't sound, this is not confession. This is not confession. This is not religious ceremony that every time you come and then you talk to somebody or a priest or someone and say, again I sinned. Again I sinned. Again I sinned. And he's like, what problem? What is it? Why are you constantly? F-? No, that's not, it's not that. It's not confessing constantly, constantly talking about your sin, dwelling on your sin. We're talking, when we talk about repentance, we're talking about changing our mind okay so you and i we talk we have a conversation and you're thinking that your blue is good for the walls but i think blue is not so good off-white is better for the walls because the lighting is better and you change your mind maybe forget about blue i'll do off-white okay why did you change your mind because you talked to me because i spoke to you when does when do we repent we repent in relation to the truth we repent in the relation to the truth when we hear truth we change our minds, right? We hear revelation of the truth, we change our minds. We correct our thinking. Where is the truth coming from? How often should this speak to us? 
you're very smart you're getting this so when god speaks to me on a regular basis okay and i never repent you just walked away after quiet times and that's your opinion i have my opinion you have your opinion but when you turn your, from your ways and you say no lord you're right you're right i'm going to do that you don't have to say i'm wrong i'm wrong i'm wrong that's not the issue here the issue is saying lord you're right when you seek after righteousness when you seek after what is godly this truth this truth is what sets you in a position of repentance so you change your mind and you turn around now here's what keeps you turned around listen to me here's what keeps you turned around when you turn away from evil if you don't turn to something good you're going to turn back to evil because an idle mind is a devil's workshop and that's not in the bible it's in the concordance but it's not in the bible all right when you turn away from evil if you don't turn to do good you will eventually go there because you are made to serve you're created to serve either you'll serve your own purposes or you'll serve god's purposes so when you turn look at what the verse says he says let him turn away from evil and do good so what is that do good is what good works good works helping old people out across the street or well, maybe but he's talking about finding a ministry finding a thing that you that that is good that is good in the eyes of god that is good in god's purposes either for the church church family or the world serve the church serve the world get involved okay then he says let him seek peace and pursue it verse 11 let him seek peace and pursue it uh, circle the word peace sorry circle the word seek and circle the word is everything okay no tragedies <laughs> okay, i got worried over there but then i remembered my son is 18 and he's safe and over here so so i'm okay so other people's kids are fine <laughs> spoken like a true parent huh? let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it circle seek circle pursue do you see a aggressiveness about that that's where i got the word aggressive from an aggressiveness about that he says we will strive to end conflict we will strive we will keep the peace can he how's your relationships you're telling me that there's a problem with that brother or telling me that problem with thing you got to mend it dude you've got to mend it no no i can't you don't understand he's a big problem in my life he's a big problem in my life. yes he may be the problem but you are here you're in church you're in our community and we got, we can't talk to him we can talk to you you're here because you're the solution you're here because you're the solution you're the solution to him being the problem and god has brought you here and god will bring more people through to a community that gives you the solution to the problems that are in your life submit when you submit god begins to work in your life where you become the solution seek peace a husband and wife are going to walk in with their with their marriage in tatters and they absolutely strained and god is going to bless and god is going to heal and god is going to mend there is no marriage that is beyond god's mending there is no relationship father daughter father son don't know where how far what has been done god can turn it around across the seas across distance god can turn it around no matter what has been said what has been done the memories god can turn it around so we seek peace and we pursue it what does that mean we will strive to end conflict and number 2 we will put measures in place to maintain that peace to maintain that peace with our family members and with our believers let's move to verse 12 last verse already great verse 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, and his face, but his face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Eyes, ears, face. Now God does not have eyes, he does not have ears, he does not have a face. Did you know that? He's God. He's a spirit. So he's using things you and I are familiar with in relational terms. In relational terms, eyes, ears, and face. He's using relational terms. And he's saying this affects our relationship. This is how God thinks and feels towards you. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let me put it simply. This is what it is. When God sees a righteous person, his ears pop open to their prayers. When God, look at me, when God sees a righteous person, his ears are, they pop open to their prayer. Who's a righteous person? Don't mix it with sinless person because there aren't any. So how can you have righteous people when there aren't any sinless people? Have you thought about that? Right? So you can be righteous and not be sinless. We are all sin. Every day we sin. We think of new, new things to sin. Either we sin before or we're sinning right now or we're planning to. Right? But a righteous person is one who wants to do it. Listen very carefully. Let your heart listen to this. A righteous person is one who wants to do what is right. He is engaged. He is obsessed with what is right, not with what is wrong. He's not going around and finding, oh, what a galta, what a galta. No, no, no. He's not going telling other people what is wrong, what is wrong. He is saying, what is right, Lord? Lord, what is your right way? Lord, teach me your ways and I will follow after you. Lord, teach me your statutes. I want to know your will. And Father, I want to go to sleep with, with, with a clean conscience. I want to do what, when you teach me your will, I will repent, I will turn back to you and I will turn many others also and I will make them also listen to this because your will is good, your word is good. Lord, teach me what is right. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. Lead me in truths, in parts of truth. You got that? So that desire, that desire to know what is right and to pursue what is right is a righteous person. No, you're not getting it. When a righteous person seeks after what is right and wants to do what is right, God sees that and his ears are open to their prayer. Because a prayer that's coming from a righteous person is always a prayer that wants to do what is right, what is of God, what is in keeping with God's will. And therefore God will always answer that. That changes the whole way we have thought about it. You think, good people, bad people. There are good people and there are bad people. Who does God listen to? Good people. Because God is Santa Claus. And he has a list and he knows whether you've been naughty or nice. And he checks his list twice. Because nice and twice rhyme. Now we're on the same page? So because you are good, pre-good, pre-good, because you're good, God listens to your prayer. And because you're pre-bad, God, no, 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 that is false, wrong teaching, theology, thinking. No. When God sees a heart that's wanting to do what is right, he listens to your prayer. Because the prayer that comes out of a heart that wants to do what is right is a prayer that God wants to answer. Amen? So, a righteous person, God opens his eyes. I find it interesting that God, <laughs> you open your eyes, but you don't open your ears, ni. Are you getting this? It's a phraseology. 
It's a phraseology. I can't close my ears. I can close my eyes. But God's eyes are on the righteous. Work with me. God's eyes are on the righteous. And his ears are open. So what's he saying? He says, I'm listening to you. You're righteous? I'm listening to you. But the evil person, whoever does evil, what does he say? The face of the Lord turns away. So you got blocked ears versus turned face. Blocked ears versus turned face. When his eyes see righteous people, those who want what is right, his ears are pop open to whatever you're thinking, feeling, and desiring. But when the wicked want what is bad, want what is wrong, want what is not of God, then he turns his face. That's a relational term. That's a break in relationship. And most people use the phrase, and this is going to hurt, by the way, but I'm committed to teaching what is true even if you leave me. Most people say, oh, he's not walking with God. Oh, she's not walking with God. I have news for you. God's not walking with you. God is not walking with you. God is on a standoff. God has turned his face away from you. Who are we talking about? Believers. Believers. He's not talking about the devil and all those other bad people. He's talking about believers. What happens, listen very carefully, because it always ends in good news. What happens when a believer does evil, seeks evil, follows after evil? The Lord Jesus, God turns his face. So there's a break in fellowship. Why? Because God can't look on a heart that wants also to do evil. God can't fellowship with you when you also desire what he can't fellowship with. You want to be close to somebody else who hates God or is not worshiping God, and you want to be close to Jesus at the same time. Not going to work. You want to run in a direction that God does not have any plans to go there. You want to go to Tarshish when God says go to Nineveh because he wants to. Not going to work. Are you with me? So God's going to work with what his character is in sync with and he will turn his face away. Now how do you get a big almighty God to turn his face back toward you in fellowship? Let's play with the word turn. How do you get God's face to turn back towards you? When you repent. Does that make sense? And what does repentance mean? You change your mind about what you thought was right and now you're in agreement with what God thinks is right. Very good. All right. So the eyes of the Lord, the ears of the Lord, face of the Lord. When God sees a righteous person, his ears are open to their prayer. When God sees a wicked person, he turns his whole face from them. So corporately, corporately, as a corporate body, as a community, here are five things we do. Remember verse 8? How many things did it have? Five things. Let's cruise through it. Number one. Five things. Can you go over it? Somebody read it, please. Number one. Unity of mind. Sympathy. Brotherly love. Okay, one more time. Nice and clear. In English. Unity of mind. Brotherly love. Very good. Sound like Japanese, but very good. Okay. Okay, let's, let's go over that. Number one. Truth must be what unites us. Truth must be, listen to me, listen to me. Truth must be what unites us. What is truth? God's word. Right? But the Bible says, in this world, everyone has gone their own way, done their own thing, thought their own thing. Today you will hear on, 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 on Gossip Girl and, and all your magazines and all your uh, TV shows and everything, oh, this is my truth. And I, have you heard that? What a load of rubbish, eh? This is my truth. I am living in my own truth. Whatever is my experience, that's true for me. Sounds like Oprah. Yeah? Rubbish. 
The Bible says, and it's true, every man has gone his own way. He's done his own thing and he's right in his own eyes. You can't be united when you're all thinking the same thing. A husband and wife cannot be united. A family cannot be united. You cannot be one when you all think differently. What should unite a body of Christ, a body of disciples that want to be united? The truth. And truth is basically what God thinks is right. Are we together? Not what I think is right, not what you think is right, but what God thinks is right. And when you get a community that's all aligning their minds to what God thinks is right, boom, you've got an option for unity. Number two, feeling each other's pain must be sensitized, must sensitize us. When somebody shares about pain, shares about difficult times, today nobody even wanted to share what's going on in their life. Nobody even wanted to stand up and share what's going on in life. Let me tell you, and it's going to hurt, let me tell you why they don't want to share what's going on in their life. They don't trust you. They don't trust you. Because I'm the pastor, I know most of you personally, and I know the hell many of you have been through. I know the burdens you carry, I know the fears you have, and I pray for all of you every day. Every day I pray for a lot of you by name. And I have your names in front of me, men, women, young adults, and I pray for you, and I know you, and I hear your stories, and you tell me. And I, I, I'm a very, uh, I appreciate that. But when you can't tell in a group of 80, 90 people who all supposedly love Jesus, and you can't share what is going on in your own life, and, and, and thank God for what he's done or is doing, let me put it this way. The reason why they don't want to share with you is because they don't trust you. And the reason they don't trust you is because you won't understand and you won't meet their pain with sensitive, sensitivity, with sympathy. You, they'll meet it with judgment. Are we going to be a community that judges? Or are we sensitive? Number two, feeling each other's pain must sensitize us. Sensitive to the pain of those who have fallen even in doing wrong. Never turn your back on people who have fallen in doing wrong. God hasn't turned his back. Number three, love like family. Love like family. Give loving service to one another. What is the word? Brotherly love. Right? Brotherly love is philadelphos. Philadelphos. Philia is family love. Delphos is brother. And the, bro the love that two brothers have or brother sister have or siblings have. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can fight as much as you want. You can scream and shout and Aunt mommy is saying this and mommy is uh, everything. But in school, when somebody turns against your sister and brother, that's it. That's it. How, 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 how can you say, how can you do all the family thing comes and then you say blood is thicker than what? I don't know how you came to that conclusion and what test you had to do for that. But family is family. God wants that you and I act like family with each other. So forget about the trust. Trust should be there anyway, but we fight for each other. We fight for each other. Forget about just coming in here and being accepted. Family don't, I don't know, brother tells another, I accept you. <laughs> You'll be like, weird, get off me, man. What is your problem? You will not, you know, no family talks to each other. There is, acceptance is a given. You came from the same womb, right? But that sense of fighting for each other, being there for each other, brotherly love takes it to the next level where God wants us to be there for each other. I'm not just talking about helping with stuff. Really there. Number four, gracious with those who need the gospel. Gracious with those, those who need the gospel. And number five, empty of ourselves like Jesus. Humble mind. Humble mind. Remember I talked about Jesus in the beginning? 
humble mind. Let's close. The heart must engage this commitment. Your heart must be serious about this commitment. External commitments won't show up until internal conversion happens. I'm asking the question, are the members of my church genuine disciples of Jesus? Or do we have namesake, naam ke vaste, nominal Christians in our church? I'm asking this question, and I have to seriously ask this question of God. All are welcome. All are welcome. But here's why I have to. The Bible says that I have to give an account for you. You can argue about women in leadership. You can argue about priests and everyone's a priest. You can argue about pastors and who should and shouldn't be. You can ask about theology, styles of worship. But at the end of the day, there is one pastor or a group of elders that are going to stand before God and give an answer. And I take that very seriously. Rani, my beloved daughter in the faith, I have to give an answer for her. She thinks, I'm just going to use it as an example, she thinks she can live how she wants, go away from Jesus, come back to Jesus, go away from Jesus, come back to Jesus, and all the drama that all of us do, and I still have to answer. And she says, I don't like this church, I'm going to another church, I still have to answer. Dude, I am more scared of Jesus than you. Let's get that straight. And I have to answer. You have to answer only for yourself. I have to answer for all of you. So if you think I'm going to take that lightly and just carry on, ah, I just want to be a popular speaker. I just want to be a good speaker. I want to have a lovely ministry. Let all the people come and go and come and go. I don't think so. So yes, there will always be a percentage of people who are coming through and getting genuine in their faith. But the majority, not a minority, but a majority needs to be real, authentic. And that is what I'm talking about. Next week, I'm going to cover that in terms of being a genuine disciple. Genuine disciple. I'm going to talk about the Lordship of Christ next week. Having Christ as Lord in your heart. And you watch how many things are going to make you stop coming to church next week. You just watch. Next week, I'm going to exalt Jesus and I'm going to exalt him as your Lord. And I'm going to talk about him being Lord in your life. You just watch out of fun. Take notes. What are the number of funny, funny things that are going to come by this week to stop you from coming to church? I have to give an answer for your life. And I want to give a good one. I want to be able to say, no, 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 they're genuine. They're genuine. I saw the fruit. I saw the commitment. What am I saying here? I'm saying... We're worried about the giving. The giving is not enough. We were not even able to pay salaries this month. We're talking about not enough people. People are bailing last minute. Not, not, they're not keeping commitment. You can talk about external. But until there is an internal genuineness, there's no point talking about anything. When there is an internal genuineness, the external will take care of itself. Are you with me? Does this make sense? Very good. Let's close. We cannot become this without any accountability. You need to have people in your life that are going to do this. Let me close with this story. If you have spiritual friends, those spiritual friends are going to make you genuine. You don't become genuine on your own. They make you genuine. The spiritual friends. Do you remember the paralytic? Yeah? How many friends did he have? Four. Very good. And his four friends brought him to Jesus, broke a hole in the roof, and lowered him down and brought him to Jesus. A paralytic friend 
had four non-paralytic friends. Are you getting this? That's why they were able to bring him to Jesus. Because if they were also paralytic, they'd be doing small groups somewhere else. They'll never come to Jesus. Because we're all paralytic. And you want to hang out with those, my friends, they truly accept me. Of course they will. They're paralytic like you. My friends are on my level. Yes, they're sh- My friends understand what I'm going through. Yes. But you need to be able to step up and say, I need some spiritual friends who are more spiritual than me, who will get me to Jesus. Find them. That's your accountability. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. For what you have done that I could never have done. For the fruit that the seed of the word gives in our lives. And let everybody go with a hug from you with an assurance that they are yours, but also with a plan to make some changes and some ministry happen, oh God. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore. Amen. I love you dearly. I love you with all my heart. Have a great week. I'm praying for you this week. See you next week.